This is the podcast for June 25th, 2010. It's not safe for work. It's the Drift Glass and Blue Gal Podcast. Well, hello, Blue Gal. Hello there, Drift Glass. How you doing? Good evening and happy solstice. Happy solstice to you. (laughs) We are recording on Tuesday night, June 22nd, I believe it is. Remind everyone that from our perspective, the McChrystal situation is still McChrystallizing. So yes, it's, we're, it's, we're, it's McFluid at this point. <laughs> it's very McFluid. So mm-hmm. we're, we're not commenting on that. And, and we received some criticism, some feedback, I should say, last week regarding getting more angry and getting more detailed about the BP situation. I'm not a petrochemical engineer, so I'm not going to have a solution for plugging the leak. And I you think have, you have played one on TV, though, haven't you, <laughs> Blue Gal? I have played a petrochemical engineer on TV. Yeah. Sometime in the in the mid '80s, like the A Team, you were a petrochemical engineer. I actually three. have a relative who is a petrochemical engineer. You know what's and amazing that we can say petrochemical engineer several times <laughs> several without times blowing it. This, this is why we both went to broadcasting schools. That's right. <laughs> In front of my mirror with my hairbrush, which you don't use anymore. <laughs> so what, what I was saying was, you know, I guess I could get more angry. I am angry about the Gulf, and oh. I am angry about Republicans who apologize to BP, and I am, I am angry about. But I'm also gleeful <laughs> at the same time that, you know, the Republican Party is exposing itself. Yes, there is that. Um. There is there is a tiny silver lining yeah. potentially. Yeah. Um, although you know, while the fiery rain is falling from heaven, you don't yeah. want to look too carefully for a silver lining because yeah. you wait until the disaster the fires out. is yeah. over. Yeah. yeah. But if there is a silver lining, it is that, and not just with this, but over the last probably well several years, it is the progressive outing mm-hmm. of conservatives by themselves mm-hmm. at yep. their own hands they've gotten yep. less and less abil- they've lost they're losing the ability to speak in code yes yes and and, and sharon angle in nevada is a perfect example of that where she just yeah. comes out and says oh no you know the unemployed just don't want jobs yeah. <laughs> you know, really yeah. <laughs> they're so happy on their unemployment that you know those jobs that are out there they just won't take them and mm-hmm. she clearly has no clue as to what the plight of an unemployed person is. Or well, she's she's right in that if you have you know two children to support mm-hmm. and you're trying you know you you have a household to run, you're not going to take a job delivering newspapers. Well, and you're not going to take a minimum wage job wage job if you made six figures and mm-hmm. the payment you're receiving from paying unemployment insurance your entire adult your life. entire adult life. Mm-hmm. Is you know, and you're cashing in your insurance policy because mm-hmm. you the <laughs> you know the event that you were insuring against with those payments mm-hmm. occurred. Yes, and, and now you're unemployed. Exactly what's going on, and uh-huh. it's not a handout. You know, it's something you paid for, and it's something you earn by continuing to search for jobs and send out resumes. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's uh, the only people that are going to really buy that. Well, <laughs> yes, are people who long term retirees that's who never yeah. faced unemployment. That's the only mm-hmm. people I can think of who go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those deadbeats, you know, 
And well, it's, it's anyone who doesn't – it's anyone who is you – know, you know what they used to say about you know, a liberal is a conservative who's been fired and a conservative is a liberal who's been mugged. Yeah, yeah. And there's a certain logic to – a certain insular logic to people who are convinced because you don't start off with a specific case. You start off with the ideology that, that – when bad things happen to other people, it's because they're bad people. Yep. When bad things happen to me, it's because I'm unlucky or life is unfair. I was going to say carving it's just a, th- something stacked against me. Yeah. That's that's not right. Yeah. The, and it's, and if you can, if you yeah. and if you join those two and say the reason my life is so hard is those undeserving people out there taking things from me that I deserve. You know, you join the you you make the misfortunate and the poor and the weak into the enemy. Mm-hmm. Then you've become a conservative. Yeah. You have you have completely converted victims, genuine victims, and genuinely unlucky or genuinely weak, life's you know lotteries losers, mm-hmm. into people that you blame for your problems. And well, you what, about, what about what about what what about? And I'm just playing devil's advocate here, Dr- mm-hmm. Mister Driftglass. Yes. Uh, At your peril, th- please proceed. I think, I think a, a conservative could then say, "Well, liberals blame the rich and the powerful for all of their problems," and then I think, "Well." Yeah, but the rich and the powerful actually have the ability to do something. Yes, well, and that's the, the difference between you know, voice of CNN, mm-hmm. oh. voice of Darth Vader, James be, Earl Jones. Thank you, James Earl Jones. Yes, how could I forget the greatest voice in America? But he he drew a distinction, and I don't I don't know if this is definitely definitionally true, but it certainly is. Um, it, does, it does have a certain appeal to it. it racism and racialism. Mm-hmm. The operating definition is that, you know, you can hate anybody you want. You can resent anybody you want. But until you have the power to affect your hatred, to actually, you know, put your hatred and your ideology into effect, it doesn't really matter what you think. So, yes, there are African Americans who hate white people. You know, I'm sure any right thinking slave in the days of slavery or Jim Crow sufferer during the age uh, age of segregation mm-hmm. hated white people the the documentary about um, uh, malcolm x mike wallace did mm-hmm. uh it was entitled the hate that hate produced yep it, the idea being that yeah there are people out there who hate me because i look the way i am or the sound the way i am or because i'm a male or lots of reasons mm-hmm. but until they can do something about it it doesn't really matter that's why they you know that's why it's called institutional racism yeah yeah you know and yeah. the, the thing that rich and powerful people have the ability to do is actually affect your life. Yeah, and I was so frustrated this morning listening to NPR because they had three stories in a row. And all three of these stories nestled in them had a little nugget that said, you know, the person with the money is going to make the decisions in this situation. Of course. Gasland, you know, <laughs> I, I was reading that on the blog while I was listening to NPR. Gasland was talking about the Gas drilling companies have a huge amount of money mm-hmm. to quote unquote debunk the fact that people can light their faucets <laughs> on fire. You know, sure. <laughs> I mean, sure. Well, tobacco, you know, yeah. companies had hundreds of billions yeah. of dollars bottomless to, to, to spend yeah. on, and and that's the part that we don't want to admit. Yeah, that propaganda works, and propaganda can change public debate it can change the terms of the debate it can change people's minds it can push people around we're as you know as a as a culture yeah you know we are beaten on the head with advertising from the day we're born yeah and we are a very 
persuadable people. Um, we are very, very easily led in and lots of different ways. The more money you have, the more propaganda you can buy. Yeah. I, I like to go back to first causes. You know, why do our politics suck? Well, because the wrong people are in office. Why are the wrong people are in office? Why are the wrong people in office? Money. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there was a, a question on my blog today about, you know, how do, how do these people keep going on the right? How do they keep doing what they're doing? And, how do how do they keep you know, the answer is money? It's really simple. This is not a very complicated problem to um, diagnose. It's it's complicated to solve, but there's an enormous amount of profit to be made in telling stupid people that it's okay to be stupid. Yep. To tell bigoted people it's okay to be a bigot, and in telling you know hateful people that hatred is patriotic and Christian, they will pay you to tell them it's a whorehouse. They will pay you yep. to tell them what they want to hear, and that's why Glenn Beck is a rich man. He tells ignorant, hateful, paranoid people that all of the scary things under their bed are true Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that the people who are to blame are called progressives who are really Nazis. And there's no – this is you know, this is me. I'm beating the same drum again. But there's no hope for people like that. Yeah. Because once you've sold your soul to to Glenn Beck, there's no going back. And that's the thing about the Tea Partiers. They they really they just say what they believe, which is charming in, in a certain kind of way. But they forget that what they believe horrifies when they say it without coding, without frosting, mm-hmm. horrifies average intelligent human beings. Well, and and it came up this morning that, and I I don't even want to get into what it was about, but Tucker Carlson opened his mouth this morning, <laughs> and I, and I. As as we were talking about it on on the thread for the big blog, I realized I don't even want to debate that anymore. You know, I don't even want to talk about what T- Tucker Carlson said that was wrong. At some point, it becomes, <laughs> you know what I mean? It becomes yeah. irrelevant because right. you, I just told you, <laughs> that, and and we know Tucker Carlson is one of these people who feels as though the privileged. Which are him and his friends. And his mommy. And his mommy are the ones who should run the country and everybody yeah. else should just shut up. Right. And it really gets to the point where, as you say, you just can't start or continue a debate with that. It just doesn't, no. there, there's no point. Well, but that's why I, that's why I, I focus on, and someone did ask me, um, this week about, you know, so okay, what do we do? Capital yeah, E, capital well, that's what, And that's what I want to talk yeah. about. What do we, what do, the, we do? What, what makes a good liberal? You know, and what makes, do, well, what we do, first of all, what we do is you focus your fire on the center. Mm. You don't attack a fixed position, a strong fixed yeah. position. You go, you attack where they're weak. Mm-hmm. You attack at the at the at the part of because this is a war. We are in a war. It's a non-shooting war. God, you know, help us if it ever becomes a shooting one. But this is a real, definite culture war between two entirely different brain types between two different cultural and reach really mutually um, exclusive cultural perspectives. You know, the, the thing that teabaggers use to protect themselves from their, from being culpable for their own incredible political incompetence and naivete and corruption is, well, George Bush wasn't a real conservative. I, yeah. Yeah. But you really? voted for I saw- him twice and you were screaming for his reelection in 2004. Right. And you yeah. were screaming against anyone who told you that he was a bad president. Yeah. And yep. oh no no we never you know again it's it's the problem is not them 
you know, they well, are. They today are, was Michael Steele's day to defend George Bush on CNBC, which was hilarious. I bet I bet you haven't seen that yet. No, no. Uh, Michael Steele was on CNBC this morning, early, mm-hmm. and he kept going on about the economy and mm-hmm. saying, "Well, you know, but it's a jobless recovery. It's so bad because it's a jobless recovery." Mm-hmm. And the reporter who was an old white guy who clearly was, you know, CNBC business analyst, not a radical, not, you know, not a lefty blogger in any way, shape or form, just Mm -hmm. an analyst, turned to Michael Steele and said, oh, you mean like the Bush recovery? Uh Uh-huh. And Bush had a jobless recovery, too. Oh, no, Bush created jobs. In my numbers, Bush created jobs. Uh It's like my numbers versus your numbers. Well, and and. They started to get into this argument over Michael Steele had his own set of numbers that sure, proved that George sure Bush created did. jobs. Sure he did. And the the analyst, who again, I really am convinced, was not <laughs> trying to argue a Democratic – he wasn't arguing no. in favor of Obama or anything. No. Just turned to the camera and said, I'm sure we have people out there who can look this up. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but but you, and that's the you, problem of Michael Steele's world is and and the teabaggers world and the and the GOP world is there are people now with the advent of the internet who can go and look this stuff up and see and, your war record your how many well, mistresses you had that's why taking them on directly doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. Um, I, I remember a, 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 this is eerie, Blue Gal. I remember a, a remarkably similar. By incident. the way, George Bush created three thousand jobs, three million jobs in eight years, mm-hmm. and the the uh, American population, the population of the United States of America, went up by many times that. Yeah, I remember very distinctly Bill O'Reilly during the Bush administration on his program saying, you know, during the Bush, you know, at this point in the Bush presidency or at this point in the Bush years or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, here's the here's the rate of something, some economic indicator, yeah, yeah. and here's the rate during the Clinton administration, and you see they're almost exactly the same. So these crazy liberals who want to talk about how great Bill Clinton was and how awful George Bush is are just terrible, terrible people. Well, technically that was true from one perspective, but from every other perspective, it was a lie because the numbers he was referring to were on a curve. And the Clinton curve was going up, 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 and he picked one from the mid-slope of the Clinton curve as it went up, 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 up. Oh, that's right. That's right. And then he picked the number from the Bush curve that was going down, 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 right. down. And they were at exactly and, the same point. And, they, and, he, and he crossed the curve <laughs> and said, see, at this moment in time, these two numbers happen to be the same. Yes, Therefore, yes. Bush and Clinton are just the same and liberals are hypocrites. And, of course, he's a liar. Bill yeah. O'Reilly is a it's fucking liar. liar. Yeah. And the point being that your liberal media, Blue Gal, feared Dan Rather yeah. for for not telling a lie because George Bush was a draft dodging, you know, drunken, coke using son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. He just bit into a bad piece of evidence. Yep. He rushed it to press. That cost him his job. Bill O'Reilly lies on a fairly regular basis in a way that is easily provable and still has his job. Yes, exactly. Rich Hume lies every day and still has his job. Chris Wallace lies every day. And that's why you don't take on conservatives directly because they really don't give a shit that the people that they look at on television are lying to them every day. They don't care. They're past caring. So the only way to approach the problem is to go after the center. 
Yeah. Go after the people who sort of shrug their shoulders and say, well, liberals and conservatives are sort of both equally shrill and equally bad. Well, this brings up something else, though, Drift Class. So what makes a good liberal? There's a theme here that really bears digging into, which is conservatives also don't care if their people are libertines. No. Really, you know, I... I've got an, uh, an email article you sent me, Blue Gal, mm-hmm. yeah. from E.J. Dion. E.J. Dion from May, yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. I thought it was really good, but it missed was... one very important point, which is conservatives <laughs> don't care. They don't care. <laughs> well, they don't... Let's, let's point out what E.J. Dion says, said in his May 24th Washington Post op-ed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talked about enough already with this Christian conservatives are family values people and all liberals are anti-family values. Mm-hmm. Because the people in his district, in E.J. Dionne's district, who went 80% for Obama, crowd PTA meetings. They mm-hmm. take their kids to uh, soccer games. They, and they have attend very church. high. They attend church. They have very high YMCA membership. Yeah. They have whatever categories you want to say. They, the thing is that I sincerely believe that the boots on the ground in the conservative movement have been mesmerized to care about one issue and one issue only, and that's abortion. And that's what right. they vote on all the time. Mm-hmm. And we liberals have done a really stinky job of reframing that issue, where the anti-abortionists get their uh, alleged biblical authority for dealing with the abortion issue, and it's two verses, and you really can't do it this way. you know. Yeah. Oh, um, there, there's an entire history of... Yeah. I believe Jewish law about uh, or ancient um, uh, Jewish law about something called insolment. Mm-hmm. You don't become a human being until X number of days after you're born. Oh, it's it's a month. Yeah, I, yeah. they're not a human being until they're a month old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's that was the law, and that's yep. the law on which the Bible was based, and the yep. law on which et cetera, et cetera. And you know, a lot of good Christians or many good Christians are good liberals, and vice versa. Yeah. And it's so hard to admit to ourselves. You can't. The conservatives, the people who are still clinging to the conservative movement after after eight years of Clinton and eight years of Bush, like the alcoholics in our families, we can't save them. Yeah, uh, they can save themselves. You can pile the literature you want around them. You can pray over them, but can't be saved. Well, and it can't and be the, reached, and it can never back be for a moment to the abortion issue too. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of liberal women out there who never got an abortion, wouldn't get an abortion if they were presented with an unplanned pregnancy, would not get an abortion because they don't believe in that, are uncomfortable with the idea of abortion, want to work to reduce abortions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And And have struggled with it. Yeah. Well, and but what is the difference between a liberal woman in that position and a conservative in that position? A liberal woman wants... Wants to trust empower women. Women to trust make, women to make that decision. In it's the privacy of their own issue. conscience. Exactly. And you know who was radically pro-choice? I hate to say this. Anne Rand. Anne Rand was very pro-choice. Anne Rand was an atheist. Anne Rand thought people who, who base their life on religion were every bit as destructive and catastrophic and tyrannical and evil as people who base their, their lives on collectivist, you know, soci- yeah. socialism. Um, she would have had she would have burned the Republican Party down before letting people like Jerry Falwell into it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, we, we were talking about how to fix the problem and what makes a good liberal. Yes. It's really hard to explain what a good liberal is. A good liberal is tolerant, but not not a chump. A good liberal is tough. Mm-hmm. 
the good liberals are the people who didn't want to see that. I go back to a post by Stephen Gilliard. You know, he talked about why I'm a liberal, a fighting liberal. He's, mm-hmm. You know, if the conservatives had their way, black children would be pissing by the side of the road because they wouldn't be allowed to come into hotels to use the bathrooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If liberals hadn't had their way, you know, we'd still have child labor in this country. We still have slavery in this country. We'd still have segregation in this country. Liberals believe women wouldn't vote. Yeah. And, and that would and be they considered- certainly wouldn't be allowed to organize Tea Party rallies. No. They'd be put in jail. Women were. I sometimes want to dope slap other women. I'm sorry, that sounds horribly unfeminist of me. But but the idea that suffragettes went to jail, yeah, and were jailed by conservatives mm-hmm. in the name of family values, and mm-hmm. you never are accosted with that fact mm-hmm. that women were beaten and. Th- Tomatoes thrown at them and rocks thrown at them and they were thrown mm-hmm. in jail. They were imprisoned. Uh-huh. Women were put in prison. Your mom, your yeah, grandmother, your great great grandmother, whoever was thrown was, in jail, thrown in jail for fighting for the right to vote, uh-huh. and called filthy names and hurt, <laughs> hurt mm-hmm. physically. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk about that anymore. We need to. Re- cover that history i really well women weren't allowed to own property yeah you know w- women could barely own property unless of course and here's the difference you know all, all the property rights and all of the privileges of living in america did were available to women who were wealthy yeah yeah that's the difference you know yeah. poor women well, <laughs> you I know have always gotten in my screwed. lifetime i remember yeah. in my lifetime my mother holding store credit cards that had my dad's name on them mm-hmm and that was what you did. You went into the store, and you didn't have your your name. On, you know, the the wife's name wasn't on the credit card. The husband's name was on the credit card. So and the store clerk took the card and said, "Thank you, Mrs. Smith." Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was a man. It was John Smith on the credit card. Now you couldn't do that today. I took a credit card into a store and said John Smith on it. They'd yeah. call the police. You know. <laughs> But that was that was considered. That's the way it so, was done in in my lifetime. Yeah. So let let me let me short circuit the good liberal question and yeah, say this: yeah. If you are a person who doesn't believe that advances in child labor law, worker safety law, women's rights, gay rights, minority rights, environmentalism, if you if you don't believe that those things were all advanced by giving tax cuts to rich people, then you're probably a liberal. If you can actually harbor the fantasy that uh, Herbert Hoover was right, Roosevelt was wrong, and that everyone should be participating in the commonwealth of the nation, in moving the nation forward and extending rights and opportunities to as many people as possible, and helping people when they fail, not not subsidizing failure, but helping people when life kicks them in the ass. Mm-hmm. If you think that's a horrible system – and that you sh- and that the, your your vision of heaven is a two tiered, tidy white Christian police state. Just as long as you're the one holding the gun, that you're a conservative. Well, and, and, the- and if you uh, if if the only life that you treasure above all is the unborn life, mm-hmm. and once you're born, you you are subject to your class, your race, your gender, and so forth for how mm-hmm. things will turn out for you. Mm-hmm. That's you know that is an anti-liberal position. The liberals yeah. are the ones who treasure <laughs> and value human life in all yes. its forms. Well, and and the good liberals I know, like the good scientists I know, are not afraid of being wrong. Yeah, 
And and there's there's such a high correlation between ignorance, fear, racism, and being on the right side of the political aisle. If you're on the right side of the political aisle and you're not asking yourself, what the hell is wrong with the bus I'm on? Mm-hmm. And why why do I keep defending people who are why do I keep turning these mental cartwheels? Other than the fact I'm making a lot of money, I can see why Glenn Beck does it. Yeah, Glenn Beck yeah. makes a fortune off you of. You can't see him. why the woman at the at the Sarah Palin book signing. No, when well, she's, she's absolutely confronted with the fact that Sarah Palin and John McCain supported the bailout. Period. Which <laughs> completely contradicted her worldview. Her T-shirt. It contradicted yes. the shirt she was wearing. <laughs> And she literally had to reboot her brain. Her brain, yeah. To yeah. to Link and then point. just ignore it, just shrug it off. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. If you are terrified of being wrong, mm-hmm. if you live in a in a constant fear of not being foolish or being yeah. embarrassed or what have you, which I I suffer from. Anybody that's, who has to and do that's why the abortion issue from. is so appealing. Yeah. Is because but if, it's a black and white situation. Of, yeah. Evil sweet people, little, sweet little babies versus baby killers, and you can look yes. at it exactly that way with mm-hmm. no gray area mm-hmm. uh, until your the your daughter going to the Baptist college as a junior yeah. gets pregnant. Suddenly, suddenly, <laughs> suddenly and a that, trip to Atlanta you know, is not such a bad thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. and that's that's the thing. You know, if if you are willing to be wrong, if you're willing to hang your idea out there, and be wrong because God knows, you know, it took everybody I know who's a liberal who's about my age a long time and a lot of mistakes to get to where they're at. Yep. And learning from, you know, this doesn't work, this does work, this is important, this is not important. It's sort of the, the great harrowing force of history that winnows and winnows and winnows and you get down to stuff that you can actually sort of sink your teeth into. The, the idea that you're willing to put your ideology to the test under, under the conditions of Debate, not screaming at each other. I don't. Th- I don't think people even know what debate looks like anymore. But have you have two sides or three sides or nine sides? You have evidence that you all agree on, and you have a judge, because ratings are not a judge of rightness. And and when you get someone a conservative in the corner and they throw back at you, well, you know, forty million people listen to Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, and thirty million people followed Hitler into the Sudetenland. Yeah. So what? That doesn't mean a fucking thing. Yep. It means that he's a really good demagogue and you're dumb enough to follow him yeah, and you have a bunch right, of slugs right. who come along with you. doesn't mean you're right. Yeah. But if you're willing to put your argument on the table and fight about it, this is what I admire about Tom Hartman. Yep. Um, he has people who disagree with him on his show every damn day. Mm-hmm. And people who, have, who, who are not casual callers who have organizations and think tanks and magazines and whole sections of the ideological infrastructure – in on his show to fight with them. Yep. And he's a little bit unfair sometimes. But if you're not, you don't have the guts to put your ideas to the test. If you're so afraid of being wrong that you'd rather live your, with your head up Rush Limbaugh's ass than try to find out if maybe there's something wrong in your ideology, you're not a liberal. Mm-hmm. There are liberals who ascribe it. There are liberals who are afraid. There are people who are all over the spectrum when it comes to behavior. But when it comes to, you know, an ideological bent. Are you willing to put your ideas to the test, and are you willing to f- modify them if you're wrong? That is the you hallmark. Know, do you know? I liberal. just realized that I talk a lot. No, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Somebody had to say. People love your sexy voice, though. So yeah, it's fine. Well, I, but you were saying, yeah. You know, I'm just trying to kind of get an overall outline of what we're talking about with being a good liberal. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing is justice. <laughs> 
mm-hmm. social justice, which, you know, the, the anti-Glenn Beck over here. <laughs> yeah. Caring for the individual as, mm-hmm. as an individual. Mm-hmm. And, uh, having sympathy for their plot in life, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. And humility, being willing to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And questioning and seeking out answers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a Bible verse, Drift Class. That's, I, I uh, know. It's actually. That's Micah it's, 6 8. <laughs> <laughs> what does the Lord require of you to yeah. act justly yeah. and love mercy and walk humbly? <laughs> you just love flashing <laughs> that. <laughs> great, you? And, yeah. you know, yeah, to, to act justly and love mercy and walk humbly. And, yeah. and it's funny. Uh, uh, when I was driving back from... Wait a minute, you actually read that book? <laughs> yes, I do. I, I, driving back from Florida through the Deep South and uh, lots and lots of anti-Obama and anti-Obamacare billboards that are, you know, well-funded. Sure. And one of them said, God is not a socialist. And I looked up and I said, yeah, too bad his son turned out to be one. <laughs> Ain't that always the way? And, you know, that rebellious kid of his your turned son, out your, to be a socialist. Your swarthy Jewish unemployed <laughs> carpenter yeah. of a son who hangs out with, you know, with, with hookers with, with hookers and tax collectors, tax collectors. And, and, and doesn't want to doesn't want to hang out with, you know, the rich and powerful. Yep. I got some fishes and loaves here, my Thank friends. You. What can I do for you? And you know, really, and and there is sort of the the I'm not sure how secular it is, but the secular version of that is um, John Rawls, I think is his name. His Theory of Justice, big big old book of, of social philosophy, but he has the theory. Of, the, he has the idea, the test, the the um, mental experiment of what he calls the veil of ignorance. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've heard this, but it really yeah. it's basically this, you know. You you put veil of ignorance over yourself and say you're born into a world. Now, the veil of ignorance says you you will not know where you will land in the social order. Okay. You don't know if you're going to be rich or poor, privileged or not privileged. You're going to be born you know in a in a very sickly community. You're going to have all the breaks, none of the breaks. You're going to be black or white, man or woman. You don't know a goddamn thing about how you're going to land or where you're going to land. Mm-hmm. How will you design a social system so that where wherever you land, that's okay with you? You're okay, yeah, huh. yeah. Designing a social system that's fair—that is not a uh, designing a social system that favors you. Yep. So the idea of of the theory of justice and and your quote from Micah are remarkably similar, which mm-hmm. is comport yourself in a way that makes the system as fair as possible to whoever happens to land wherever they happen to land, and. That if you think that's a pretty good idea, and if you have confidence in human nature in a way that you believe that civilization and social order can be used as tools to make society more like that, as opposed to letting markets do whatever the hell markets want to do, which is by and large bend us over a barrel and screw us and make sure – because that's the way things trend. Money likes money and left unattended. Markets will create – because I know this because I played Monopoly when I was a little boy. Money will eventually gather under one roof, and you'll end up with a tiny, tiny, tiny plutocracy at the top, a bunch of peons at the bottom, which is basically most of human history. And it's only by you know strenuous effort and revolution and civil society and spreading prosperity around, spreading opportunity around, making sure everybody has a chance to succeed that you create a middle class. And only when you create a middle class do people feel 
they're invested in society, that they have a place at the table, they have a voice in their culture. But if, if you really want society to become another feudal system, fueled by technology, fueled by all the power that, you know, advanced technology would give a modern feudal state, you're a conservative. Yep. Because you, and if you're not, and, and you're not a very good Christian, frankly. Yeah. If that's the system you want, then you're a friggin' Roman. Yep. And yep. we know what Romans do with their hippies. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. Nail them to a tree. Nail them to a tree for trying tell, to be nice. Tell, tell, tell people to be nice to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Can't have that. <laughs> Can't build a church on that. Yep. All right, Blue Gal, I think it's about time to I wrap this. It's time to get those internet yep. kitties out here. Play us out so we can turn our ceiling fans back on. <laughs> All right. Well... Internet kitties, are you interested in playing this out? They're just looking at me like, are you out of your freaking mind? Yeah. podcast is produced under a Creative Commons license, copyright 2010, Driftglass Blue Gale Podcast.